Welcome to Hope for Life, a broadcast ministry of the First Baptist Church of Ferndale, Washington, bringing you hope for life through the teaching of God's Word. Open your Bible, please, to Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3. There's a couple people, I won't say their names, who have made fun of me for going to McDonald's for breakfast. <laughs> Not anymore. Uh, now, instead of having witnessing, apologetics, and other arguments, we have discipleship at McDonald's. Uh, great stuff. I'm glad I got, I'm glad I met Al because I have gotten to see God's character played out in Al's life. And there's a facet of God's character that's spoken of here in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God's compassion and mercy is new every morning. And I just want to ask the question, why or how is that true? and uh, share some scripture and some ideas from you as we think about this concept. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. I know this is a trite phrase. I know it gets used a lot. But it is never more true than it is true spiritually in our relationship with God. And I use the word relationship with God to speak of every human being. Because every human being has a relationship with God. It may be a bad one, or it may be a good one. But we need to understand that God has been merciful and gracious. And I believe our brother Al is an example of that. Why is God's mercy and compassion new every morning? First of all, it's new because God is patient. God is patient. I don't know if patience is part of your picture of God, but it needs to be. Starting back in Exodus, and the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering or patient, and abounding in goodness and truth. And from the New Testament, these words, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, his forbearance, and his patience, not knowing that the goodness of God should lead you to repentance? And then this verse from 2 Peter, which speaks of, of uh, this time in which we live, and it says, The Lord is not slack or slow concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but he's long-suffering or patient toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is merciful because he's patient Does your image of God include patience or do you see him hovering like this 
Like I was last week at McDonald's, there was a fly. And I was in the kill fly position and I realized I had an audience from the table next door. <laughs> and I got him. And the, and, and, the, and the lady says, did you get him? I said, yeah. <laughs> Some people see God that way. He's just waiting right there. And when you make a bad move, boom. And they don't stop and realize that's not what God's doing. God is not interested in smacking you down, he's interested in your repentance. That is, your, the change of your mind about who, he, who you are, who God is, who Christ is, and the coming to faith in Christ as your Savior. That's what God is interested in. Could I make it really plain? That's why you breathe every morning. If I understand God's word right, Colossians 1.17 says that Christ holds the world together and you know what he has to do in order to let you stop breathing just let go but every morning you wake up and you're breathing and it's because god is in heaven going come to me come to me oh yes god does do some things like al mentioned in his testimony he had this episode where he thought he was going to die and part of what he didn't tell you that he told me was I kind of realized God was saying, buddy, you better get this squared away. Because that came after, I don't know how many times of me saying, Christ died for your sins, you need to believe in him, this is how all of this works. And God said, Al, I'm going to give you a little push. <laughs> yeah, will God do that? Yes, he will. Will he allow calamity into your life to get your attention? Yes, he will. But is his goal to make you feel bad? No, his goal is to bring you to faith in Christ. Ever since the first two human beings sinned, God has been patient with us. Isn't that right? What did, Adam, what did God tell Adam and Eve was going to happen if they ate from that tree? He said, dying you shall die. We could look at that and say God was there with his hand right over them. And he said, don't eat from that tree. And what happened when they ate from that tree? They did come now to experience physical death eventually in their lives. And they would have experienced spiritual death if God hadn't come around and clothed them with the skin of animals. Animals sacrificed to cover their sin. And so ever since the first two human beings sinned, God has been patient God would have been within his rights to immediately send them to hell because that's what he promised them. But that's not what he was interested in. And so God is patient. His compassions are new every morning because God is patient. But it goes beyond the character of God. It goes to also what he knows about us. And he knows how weak we are. Psalm 103 puts it this way. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame or our, our skeleton. He remembers that we are dust. Why does God call us dirt? Is it because we're so sinful? No, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about us compared to him. And if you don't remember the, the details in the original creation, God created all of these things and he spoke them into being. 
But when he created mankind, he took the dust of the earth and he fashioned a man and he blew into man the breath of life. We are made from the dirt of the earth. And I think God did that in part so he could write this verse and say, look, you're not as tough as you think you are. One of the great things that Al had to learn was that he couldn't do it on his own. He said, I had to learn that. I had to learn. I had to trust in the Savior. I can't save myself. God knows that we're made out of dust. He knows that we're not up to his standard, if you will. And I'm not talking primarily about our sinfulness. It's more so, do we have strength? Do we have wisdom? Do we have intelligence? Nothing compared to him. And so he knows that. And because of that, he's patient with us. Because of that, he doesn't wait to squash us at the first sign of sin. Those of you who are here for the first time, We'll have the special treat today after the service of getting the opportunity to meet my grandson, Malachi. <laughs> my son-in-law is the one who sang. That's my daughter there. And they'll be holding a lovely little guy who's six months old and uh, ready to be a linebacker for the Ferndale Golden Eagles. <laughs> you know, in our church, we have Ezekiel and Malachi, the prophets. We have the patriarch Jacob, Michael, the, the archangel. And I believe the next baby born is supposed to be Isaiah or Jeremiah or possibly David. <laughs> Parents of babies don't expect them to do much more than eat, sleep, foul the air, and smile every once in a while. We don't expect them to carry their own weight. We don't look down and say, come on, bud, you're six months old. Let's get with the program. They're babies. And so we are patient with them. As God is patient with you because he knows you have limited capabilities compared to him. If he were to expect from us what he is capable of, who could stand? No one. He knows we're made of dust. And so he's, he's patient and his compassion and mercy is new every morning god knows that you want to be independent and self-sufficient but he knows you're not capable of caring for yourself and so he continues to extend his hand to draw you to himself god's compassions and mercy are new every morning because god is patient because he knows how weak we are and thirdly because he wants us to be saved from our sin. We've already talked about that, but we need to look again at an example. Turn with me in your Bible to the New Testament, Acts chapter 9, please. And we need to look at a wonderful example of the patience of God. Acts chapter 9. <clears throat> then Saul, he's later going to be called Paul the Apostle, then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. You know, you need to read that verse really slow a couple of times. <laughs> still breathing threats and murder. He's saying, if I get my hands on those Christians, those followers of the way, I will kill them. 
And he's not smiling while he says it. Can you imagine a guy like that? Can you imagine being around a guy like that? And so he went to the high priest and he asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound or you know, in handcuffs to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven, and he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. Do you understand what he, the goads there were the place where they tied up the sacrifice and they had, a, they had this sharp thing there that would keep the animal from kicking too much. You know what Jesus is saying to Paul? Not so tough now, are you, bud? He struck him with blindness. He struck him down. And the apostle Paul said, who are you, Lord? He used the word Lord, which indicates he knew this was a great and powerful person he was talking to. I am the Lord Jesus, verse 5, whom you are persecuting. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, arise and go. And you can read the rest of the story at your leisure. Here's the point I want to make. This fellow was an enemy of Christ, a sworn enemy of Christ. He said he's breathing out threats and murder and getting permission from the civil uh, religious leaders to go to another city and handcuff Christians and bring them back for trial, most probably so they would be martyred because they're calling Jesus God, and that was a capital offense. That guy received the patience of God. God didn't reach down from heaven and smack him dead and send him to hell, but he did hit him up alongside the head with a two-by-four. He said, Saul? And Saul got the message. So many people get that knock on the door from Christ that comes through calamity, and they refuse to listen. Listen to what he said. Here's his testimony. For this reason, in the previous verses, he talked about being a blasphemer and a persecutor. For this reason, I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show all patience as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. He said, I am the paradigm of patience for God. I I was the worst And God was patient and he saved me. And so I'm a pattern. I'm a pattern for those who will come after. He's a pattern for you here today. What have you done that God can't forgive? What have you done that God won't forgive? And the answer is nothing. Even if you've been murdering Christians on purpose, God will forgive. God wants you to come to faith in Christ. If you are breathing... There is an opportunity for you to receive Christ as your Savior. No matter how many times you have pushed aside the nudging of the Holy Spirit, today can still be a day of salvation for you. Al has referred to himself spiritually as a late bloomer. That's okay. Better late than never. Today is the day of salvation, God says. While God is patient with us, it is for a purpose. 
And it is for that purpose that we might come into relationship with him. We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. I heard this, one of the saddest stories I've heard in a while from our missionaries in, in uh, Madrid, Larry and Roseanne Thornburg. They were here a few months ago. Now they're back in Madrid. A pastor, a, a Spanish pastor, who pastors in the Canary Islands, somebody that they knew was on the airplane that crashed out of Madrid last week, and he went home to be with the Lord. I got a second email subsequently that said this. He was on the airplane, and they were having difficulties, mechanical difficulties, and they were you know, sitting in the airplane waiting for him to fix it, as we've, many of us have been there. And, his, and he text messaged his wife. This is what's going on, da 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 So his wife text messaged back, get off the plane. So he tried to get off the plane. And they said, just sit down, we're going to get it going in a minute. Now that fellow was ready to meet the Lord. Are you? God's mercy and his compassion is new every morning, but it has a limit. And the limit is the day of your death. Which if you're wise, you know you don't know. And so you ought to take God seriously when he says, today is the day of salvation. Now is the day. You shouldn't put it off. You shouldn't wait. Maybe you've put it off before, and so now you're thinking, oh, it's too late. I've put it off too many times. No, it's not too late. Because God's mercy is new every morning. The word mercy means that God is holding back the punishment we deserve every morning, waiting for us to come to repentance. There's a second element to God's patience, and that's this. Not only does he want us to be saved from our sin, but he wants us to become like Christ. Listen to this verse that tells us about the impact of the sacrifice of Christ on those who believe in salvation. Hebrews 10:14 says this, "For by one offering or one sacrifice, Christ has perfected forever those who are being sanctified or being perfected." This verse, in a short space, summarizes a huge truth. And the truth is this. When you come to faith in Christ, God makes, puts the righteousness of Christ completely on you so that when he looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Christ. That's how you can go to heaven at any moment that you might die. But while you are on this earth, you are also being sanctified. That is, being delivered from the power of sin daily. This is actually kind of a play on words, which could go like this. For by one offering, he has sanctified forever those who are being sanctified daily. He says, look, there is a complete and ultimate kind of setting aside to God, sanctification, but there is also a daily walk in Christ in which daily we should become more like Christ, more like Christ, more like Christ. And that's why God doesn't smack us Christians down when we sin. He says, come on, be like Christ. Be like Christ. Be like Christ. 
When you put your faith in Christ, God forgave. And now God wants to see you continue to take on that righteousness. Colossians chapter 3 summarizes this, this walk in Christ very well when it says this, If then you were raised with Christ, if you were sanctified holy with Christ in heaven, when you accepted Christ as your Savior, seek those things which are above where Christ sits, is, is sitting at the right hand of God. Therefore, put to death the parts of your life which are on the earth, sexual sin, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness. And I've just chosen a few verses out of this chapter to give you an example of the concept that God wants us to be growing in Christ. And what us Christians need to realize is the mercy of God in the process Again, I would think of a baby or a small child. How long does it take a small child to learn to tie their shoes? You show them, you know, the rabbit crawls in the hole or whatever that thing is. Boom! And the kid looks at it like that old commercial on TV where the guy takes a pizza box and makes origami out of it. And you're going, how in the world did he do that? And the kid looks at the tied shoe the same way and he goes, what in the world? Now he doesn't say that. But you know that's what's going on because what happens the next time he ties his shoe? Nothing. <laughs> and what happens the next time you teach him and the next time and the next time and how many times does it take? Many times. And we keep doing it because we know someday he's going to get it. God knows someday you're going to get it. You're going to grow to be like Christ a little bit every day. Are there some lessons in Christ that you've learned more than once that God has had to teach you repeatedly? Of course there are. And what you need to realize is God is patiently working with you and he's not going to give up on you. He might have to spank you a little bit once in a while to get you in line, but he's not going to give up on you, Christian. God is patient in this process of our growth in godliness or in Christ-likeness. The last thing that we need to understand about the mercy and compassion of God being new every morning is this. God is merciful and compassionate because he does not see our failures as terminal. Now, I'm talking to Christians now. Okay? I'm talking to Christians, people who have already put their faith in Christ. And one of the greatest examples of Christian failure is the Apostle Peter. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? This is on the night of the, the Last Supper as we refer to it. And Jesus is telling them some terrible things are going to take place. And Simon Peter says, Lord, where are you going? Jesus said, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. Peter said, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow until you have denied me three times. Now, we're really familiar with this part of the story. and You know, it's sad to us. We hope that we wouldn't follow it. But you know, there's another little piece of the story recorded in a different gospel that you've got to get your teeth into today. And it's this. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. 
And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. God is so patient that he knows we're going to sin before we do it. And he said, now Peter, you're going to fall down on your face hard. But when you come back to me, I got something for you to do. Is this an excuse to sin? No, it is not. No, it is not. And we need to be careful of that. But what it is, is an encouragement to righteousness. That no matter how many times you have fallen on your face, no matter how many times you have denied the Lord with your actions, whether or not you've denied the Lord with your words, God wants you back. Because every morning he's standing there at the edge of your bed going, come on, live for me today. Every moment that we are breathing, Christian, is an opportunity to admit our sin. Every moment is an opportunity to be cleansed. Every moment is an opportunity to put to death the sin in our life and to build new habits of righteousness. Christian, no matter how badly you have failed in your eyes or the eyes of others, you are never washed up with God while you are breathing. There were a few colossal failures at the Olympics. If I have my facts and if my PowerPoint helper has her facts together, this is Lolo Jones. And when she ran the 100 hurdles... She put her foot square on one of those hurdles as she went over. And you know how much it slowed her down by? One second. (laughs) Just long enough to not get any medal at all instead of getting the gold she was supposed to get. And it was a lock. It was like not even an argument. We've all failed the Lord. We've all stuck our foot square on the hurdle. There's no doubt about that. We've all put off things we should do. But what matters today in response to the ever new mercy and compassion of God is how will I use this day and every other day that God gives me to honor him and to grow in Christ. I'm going to sing a song to give you an opportunity to think about the mercy of God. <clears throat> Cursing every step of the way, he bore a heavy load. To the market ten miles away, the journey took its toll. And every day he passed a monastery's high cathedral walls. And it made his life seem meaningless and small. And he wondered how it would be to live in such a place, 
to be warm, well fed, and at peace, to shut the world away. So when he saw a priest who walked for once beyond the iron gate, he said, tell me of your life inside that place. And the priest replied, we fall down, we get up. We fall down, we get up. We fall down, we get up. And the saints are just the sinners who fall down and get up. Disappointment followed him home. He'd hoped for so much more. But he saw himself in a light he had never seen before. Because if the priest who fell could find the grace of God to be enough, then there must be some hope less for rest of us. There must be some hope left for us. Cause we fall down, we get up, we fall down, we get up, we fall down, we get up, and the saints are just the sinners who fall down and get up, we fall down, we get up, we fall down, we get up. And the saints are just the sinners. Yes, the saints are just the sinners who fall down and get up. We fall down, we get up. We fall down, we get up. We fall down, we get up. And the saints are just the sinners. Yeah, the saints are just the sinners who fall down and get up. Heavenly Father, thank you for your patience. Thank you for your patience in my life. Thank you for your patience in Al's life. Thank you for your patience in every life represented here today. Father, help us not to take advantage in a sinful way of your patience, but help us to take advantage in a godly way of your compassion and your mercy that's new every morning. Father, if there's somebody here who's never put their faith in Christ, help them do it today. Help them to believe that Jesus died for their sins. Father, if there's somebody here that needs to make some other significant step, help them to do it today. To not put off, not take advantage of your patience today. Thank you. 
I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Hope for Life, the broadcast teaching ministry of the First Baptist Church of Ferndale, Washington. You can learn more about our ministry on the internet at www.ferndalebaptist.com or you can contact us by mail at First Baptist Church, P.O. Box 69, Ferndale, Washington, 98248. Telephone 360-384-3111. We invite you to join us for worship Sunday mornings at 1045 a.m. Our prayer is that God's Word will give you hope for life.